Hello, good evening, everyone, or good afternoon, or good morning, even, doesn't matter. But the main thing is, my next guest today is a eight-time WWF hardcore champion. He's a two-time ECW World Tag Team Champion. Also, it doesn't even get any better than this, he's a former ECW World Heavyweight Champion. My guest today is not just the coolest, he's <laughs> not the best, that, my friends, what you call it, podcast, he's just incredible. How you doing today, mate? You all right? I'm doing fantastic, my friend. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Had a pretty good, good weekend. Good. You know, it's been pretty chilled. Um, but the main thing is, is I actually get to speak to you, which is fucking awesome. So uh, thank you for coming on to the show today. I do appreciate it. Oh, it's my it. pleasure. Uh, what part of the world are you from? Uh, I'm actually in Essex. So best oh, way right to, on. Um, to say to someone that's not really familiar with it, it's outside of London. Okay. Uh, okay. Have you um been to Essex? Probably not. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure. I I have been. I've I've spent a lot of time in England, hmm. um. But I'm not too sure if I've been to Essex. I know I've been to uh, I've been to Birmingham, uh, been to London, um, some other places. But right now, you know what I mean. When you're on a tour bus, yeah. and you're just you know uh, going, going, going. But I've I've spent quite a bit of time there. Quite a bit of time. Nice, nice, good. Yes. Uh, so hopefully, you get to come back here once this pandemic ends. I would love to. I would love to. I, I always say it's uh, it's getting harder and harder now to wrestle overseas for whatever reason. I know even pre-pandemic. Mm. Um, but I, you know, I'm 47. Um, which you know, it's not that I'm the oldest, but it means that you know, chances are slimmer and slimmer. Uh, but I would love to uh, go to uh, go to England one last time uh, because the fans there are bar none the best in the world easily uh, it's always been one of my favorite places to uh, perform so uh, i'd love i'd love to go one more time man hopefully we get to see you back here mate that'd be awesome uh, that'd be brilliant absolutely so we're uh, gonna basically discuss your career because it's about you yeah. today um, oh, and i know like essentially you've had you've been in the career for nearly 30 years now so we're gonna yes. sort of go back to the beginning and also discuss what actually made you a fan of professional wrestling. You know, well, uh, I guess like a lot of people, um, you know, I was probably 10 years old. Um, and the first match I saw ever on television was mm -hmm. um, Hulk Hogan versus the Iron Sheik. When Hulk Hogan uh, beat the Iron Sheik for the original WWF heavyweight title. Um, and it was uh, the birth of WrestleMania, really. Or not WrestleMania, Hulkamania. I, I'm sorry. And from then on, I just uh, I, I just fell in love with all things pro wrestling, you know, just everything. And uh, as I got older, instead of um, like most kids, they kind of let it go and they move on to other things. I got more and more into it where I started doing backyard wrestling at 15 um, and 16. And, you know, and uh, just I, I just loved it so much that when I turned 18, I didn't want to go to university. So mm -hmm. I saved up enough money to go to wrestling school and um uh, that's what I did, you know. And when you did make that journey into wrestling yes. school, um, it wasn't like many other people. You actually went to Canada, is that correct? Yes. And to the Hart Camp. And yeah. that was under Keith Hart. And you'd also meet your future tag team partner, Lance Storm. What was Lance Storm like, first yeah. impressions? Um, he was really cool, very quiet, kind of, uh, you know, because he was a bit of a rookie himself. He had started, he came through the uh, heart camp in 1990. Him and Jericho were part of the same uh, same class. Uh, I came in a bit later in uh, summer of 92. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, he was quiet, uh, kind of like what you see today, but a lot more shy. He wasn't yeah. so confident, um, but, um, you know, very very structured, very responsible. He was like the young old man in the room. Uh, even though he was, you know, 23 years old, he still was like old. He seemed older and wiser than all of us who were kind of messing around uh, sometimes, yeah. you know, and he was always like the dad, uh, you know, in, in the room. <laughs> so it wasn't just a gimmick, Ben, anytime no. he's serious. <laughs> because that really was Lance. But, but, but also he had... Uh, you had to get to know him, but he had a very soft and and funny side. Um, but even his jokes were just very dry. Uh, best way I could say it is very Canadian, which is like that very, very serious but dry sense of humor for sure. That was man. Um, so you actually got to WWE quite early in your career yeah. um, as mm -hmm. an enhancement talent. 
um, essentially as PJ Polarco. How did you actually get that gig? And essentially, Mm. you know, at the time, it was like 1993, so you'd only been in business for, what, two, three years? Um, in 93, um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, go through my journey real quick to so make sense of the timeline. Of course, of course. Um, I, went to, uh, I, I, I went to train in the summer of 1992 to Calgary but with the Hearts. Mm-hmm. And then I came home for a short bit. And October, they were starting, uh, the, the Hearts and other people in Calgary were starting a new promotion, wrestling once, once a week on Fridays. Mm-hmm. Um, and I figured, well, I don't know anybody uh, where I live. I live in Connecticut, which is about an hour and a half from New York City. I didn't know anybody. So I, I came home and, you know, bought my, you know, just to kind of chill for a bit. And then in October, I went out to Canada again to get my first match. Uh, October 16th, 1992 was my 19th birthday. as And it was also uh, my first match ever in a professional wrestling ring in front of about 100 people in uh, Calgary. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's how I kind of started, cut my teeth in the, in the business. Uh, and I stayed for 10 matches all throughout 92 up until around Christmas. And in those 10 matches that I had in Calgary, um, I wrestled Lance Storm, uh, Chris Jericho, um, and many other kind of, uh, you know, old school wrestlers from the Calgary area. Probably not, not a lot of guys that anybody would recognize name-wise, but still it was a, it was a great experience. Uh, came back home in 93. And in 93, um, I live about an hour from the WWE building in Stamford, Connecticut. And, um, you know, kind of getting frustrated a bit and not uh, knowing anyone. I had the balls or the smarts or the stupidity, whichever one you want to think of, <laughs> to uh, go to a WWE live event yeah. uh, about, a ha- about a half hour from my home. And uh, I went back there. I brought my bag um, and, you know, somehow I got in. And I introduced myself uh, to the backstage uh, agents. Uh, one of them was Tony Gurria, a um, very famous wrestler back in the day. Yeah. And I told him, you know, um, I was trained by Brett and Owen's family, the Hearts, uh, Keith and so forth. And uh, they knew, obviously, uh, who they were. And I was very well rece- you know, received because of being trained by those guys. Yeah. Brett and Owen were also on the show. So, you know, it didn't hurt. Long story short, uh, you know, they didn't need anybody that night, but they let me watch the, the show from backstage. And uh, at the end, I went to say my goodbyes and thank you for being so kind to let me back here. And uh, if you ever need anybody, you know, I'm here. And he and Tony turns around and he's like, well, as a matter of fact, we're starting a new show uh, called Monday Night Raw, where we're going to be needing jobbers, extras, whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, you live around here and uh, it'd be an easy trip for you. And, uh, you know, make some extra money and get you get you kind of going in the world of wrestling. And I said, sure. So uh, I, I went and I think I'm not, if I'm, I could be lying, but uh, March around March uh, was my first match on raw against uh, Lex Luger uh, 1993. So that's really how it started. And what was that experience like working with uh, Lex uh, Luger? Man, it was surreal, dude. I mean, just, uh, a seeing how big these guys were. I mean, I was I thought I was a big dude, you know, I'm six foot, 225, 230 pounds. Um, you know, and these guys were just monsters. Uh, I mean, Yoko, Yokozuna was there, Undertaker. Uh, I mean, they were not just big muscular wise, they're so tall. And, uh, mm. so oh my god, the, like I never wrestled on the indies. Uh, the lights were so bright. Um, it was just it was so intense. I mean. Backstage, there's Bobby the Brain Heenan, Randy Macho Man Savage, um, Hulk Hogan. You know, it was just like crazy. And here I am getting dressed next to these guys. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was crazy. It was, it was overwhelming. It was so cool. Who did you find yourself interacting with at that time? Um, I mean, I know you weren't necessarily sort of, you know, a big star at the time, but sure, did you find sure. that someone was um, sort of approaching you or sort of, you know, giving you any feedback necessarily? Um, yeah, at first, the first couple of times, um, I was just, you know, I was just quiet. I didn't mm. speak unless I was spoken to. I was nervous, you know, I was scared to death. I was just a kid, yeah, you know, imagine. Um, but, uh, yeah, but then eventually, um, you know, some guys, I, you know, would speak to you. Um, I remember Steve Lombardi, the Brooklyn brawler, uh, Adam bomb was pretty cool. Guys like that, and then uh, Razor Ramon was always a, a big one because uh, Scott was very, you know, he liked to help out the young talent, like, you yeah. know, to smarten them up and to kind of 
watch their matches and tell them what they're doing good and what they're not doing good. Not just with myself. I remember the Hardy boys were yeah. coming around doing jobs back in those days as well. And uh, Scott would help them out too. And I, I remember Jeff having to lie about his age saying he was 18 when in fact he was really 16 uh, to get in to do the, to do jobs. So uh, Razor just like, you know, if he thought you had some talent and some ability, he always tried to kind of find those cats and help them out, you know? And um, yeah, that's really like how I started to kind of uh, break the ice a little bit with those guys. What was your reaction to when you uh, actually got a win over IRS? Um, I, I don't know why. I just I kind of remember it. Uh, I'm yeah. a lot older than you probably think, by the way. I'm actually quite <laughs> we're in my thirties, but um, oh okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> but I actually, I, I do remember it as a kid, and I just sort of yeah. your reaction and uh, um, how basically uh, how was you told? Well, they just uh, basically told me out of nowhere. It wasn't like a big deal or anything. Um, mm. you know, they talked. They told me about it like very uh, or a fact, IRS and um. You know, Razor's going to come down and uh, you'll roll him up one, two, three. Uh, that's, you know, any questions? And I'm like, what? I rolled him up. <laughs> Are yeah, you yeah. Sure? And then, and then, yeah, yeah. And then just get out of the ring, you know, just run out of the ring real quick. And I'm like, does IRS know this? <laughs> Is he aware of this? You know, and of course, uh, IRS being uh, the, you know, Bray Wyatt, the Fiend's dad, believe yeah. it or not, that's, that's when you know we're getting old. That's uh, uh, how it, kind of the ball started moving because they liked me as a young guy. They thought I had some ability. So mm. they started giving me little, uh, little opportunities here and there, you know? No, nah, that's good, mate. And then I was actually going to come to one of the big opportunities that you would receive essentially when the world cup was happening in America in 94. And I sort of, I'm sort of smiling about this because I'm happy that I get to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, Aldo Montoya. Yeah. And yeah. the Portuguese man of war. Some people, I think most people that are going to listen to this interview will know, but some people may not know. Um, can you describe who Aldo Manzoy was and how it was pitched to you? Sure. Well, uh, I, I have to say the story because it all has, uh, it's, it's all quite fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, originally, like where we left off, I was doing jobs for the WWF, uh, the old WWF uh, back in the day. Being used more and more, I got the win over IRS. Um, so then... I get a call from Tony Gurria, who was the guy in the office that would call the extras. And he's like, PJ, because uh, I live 45 miles, about 60 kilometers um, from my home to Stanford to the office. Mm -hmm. And he's like, uh, we need you to come down. And uh, we were setting up a ring and, you know, to work out with uh, Undertaker and Brian Lee, who's going to come in and do the fake Undertaker gimmick. Uh, and I was like, oh, all right, cool. Um, so they would pay me 150 bucks a day just to go in uh, for the Monday through Friday and just work out with them yeah. as he perfected the, uh, the Undertaker gimmick. So we go work all week, just Brian, myself, and Mark. Um, so Friday comes, and we find out uh, that Vince wants to dress rehearsal. So Vince comes down. Um, Brian Lee gets dressed in the Undertaker gear, makeup, everything. I Myself, I get my tights, my boots, everything. So uh, we have an audience of three. It's Undertaker, Vince McMahon, and Pat Patterson, three pro probably three of the most powerful people in the business at the time. Oh, yeah. um, and and we're, we're, you know, putting this dry run through. So we get through it. Everything was cool. Um, and, uh, you know, we thank every, you know, I thank everyone, whatever. And uh, Pat Patterson comes up to me and uh, he starts asking me questions, who trained me, uh, you know, the hearts, blah, 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 small talk, you know. Yeah. And uh, finally, he's like, well, uh, what nationality are you, kid? I said, well, I'm Portuguese. And uh, Pat goes to Vince. Hey, Vince, this kid, he's Portuguese. And Vince kind of smiled. And I'm like, what the fuck? What's the big deal? I'm Portuguese. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's that weird. That sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's like weird. <laughs> you know, okay. But, you know, whatever. So we keep talking some more and some more. And he goes, uh, do you speak it? And I said, well, sir, you know, my folks immigrated to America in 1970. I was born here in 73. But long story short, uh, I speak Portuguese because that's what I spoke growing up. I learned Portuguese really before I learned English. Yeah. And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, hey, Vince, this kid speaks Portuguese. And all of a sudden, Vince gets real serious. <laughs> Very good. Gives you one of those. And uh, anyways, long story. Um, he was looking for a Portuguese character the whole time because the World Cup was coming along and mm -hmm. business was bad in America. Um, house shows and so forth were not doing well. And like Davy Boy uh, did in, uh, in Great Britain and England and a lot of others did all over the world, um, yeah. you know, 
he wanted me to go to South America, to Brazil, which is a Portuguese-speaking speaking country, although I'm from Europe, Portugal, whatever, you know, I guess they didn't know the difference, but nonetheless, uh, it was an opportunity, and uh, there the character was then born. And the reason I say World Cup is because Aldo was originally supposed to be a Portuguese soccer player until, until they changed it. Were yeah. you actually um, any good at like soccer? Uh, sorry, I know you guys call oh, it soccer, yeah. but I yeah. have to call it football. football. Sorry, football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, like, like I said, my dad's full. I mean, I'm full Portuguese, so uh, he coached my high school team. I played, you know. So uh, yeah, yeah. I play. I mean, I wasn't great, but uh, I certainly uh, played organized football. Knew the basics. Football. You were pretty... Yeah, yeah. I played organized football all throughout my uh, high school and stuff. You know, I was pretty good. Was yeah. there any plan for you to come out um, sort of in the entrance ramp, like kicking a ball or something? We uh, originally <laughs> had spoken about that, even for merchandise, uh, like have a, you know, how they have the net, the soccer net full of balls and maybe come out on the ramp and kick a couple to the audience. Oh, but, uh, that would have been awesome, man. It would have been cool. But uh, it was number three, by the way. I had long hair and it was a, the, it was a big number three on it. I had the, the, the soccer shoes and, you know, the big socks all the way up to my knees and, and soccer shorts and a shirt, uh, but that never uh, that never happened. And uh, you know, we went with the Aldo Montoya uh, Power Ranger kind of because uh, the original designs. And I don't have either. They actually showed the original Aldo, mm -hmm. um, so it, it, I have it somewhere. I'd love to to find it someday. But uh, the Aldo Montoya. Oh, I know. But the Aldo Montoya from. Um, uh, you know, the Power Ranger one actually looked like a Power Ranger. Like, I looked like an action hero, yeah. like an Avenger. I had shoulder pads. I had cool mask, not that jock strap. I had long, flowing hair. Um, it looked really neat. But, um, you know, it was what it was. And neither, either way, I was getting an opportunity of a lifetime and signing with the WWE or WWE. A three-year contract at the time was, you know, I was like one of the youngest superstars ever to sign so i was super happy you know had you only been on so before you signed the contracts uh for essentially the full time had you only been sort of um pay as you play sort of thing so um, oh yeah what time? yep yep oh okay and, so at the uh, time i mean you sort of would have just taken anything really i mean yeah yeah but, i yeah. mean then to see sort of to take the time to explain this gimmick and mm -hmm. you know we, we have a market and an audience so that must have yep. been huge for you it was it was huge i mean if you think about it my debut match was october 16th 92 i signed october 1 94 so i was in the business for like a year and eight months a year and 10 months before i got my first contract which is that's unheard of yeah there's no nxt i mean i went right i debuted mm. on raw you know it was a different era. It was a different time, you know, and, uh, but being part of the heart, uh, you know, wrestling academy or school or dungeon, whatever you want to call it. Um, they really, uh, they, they did it better than anybody. So, uh, it helped that I had the best training or some of the best training in the world, you know? Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome, man. And I think, as yeah. well, like, I think even to this day, like just the only person I could think top of my head, sort of that sort of, yeah, lack of experience in a way, not to say that he wasn't any good, but sort of lack of experience, right. probably Brock Lesnar. You know, yeah. he, he only been there. X-Pac, X-Pac perhaps too, because he was very young, the one, two, three kid. You know, we... We'll be talking about him, don't worry. Looking forward to the... Um, Started talk, a similar... The X-Factor talk. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. can't wait. That'll be discussed, don't worry. That's, that's uh, right. That's, that's right. literally like my ultimate boy stable back in the day. <laughs> um, but we do have a few more things to talk nice. about as well. So the actual gimmick itself, Aldo Montoya, yes. did you enjoy it? I mean, do you look back and say, yeah, I had a good time. It was fun. Oh, I loved it. I'm not going to lie. Uh, although it was, you know, it wasn't necessarily, you know, a main event character. Mm. I was learning the business. I was literally traveling the world, you know. Um, going to Germany, like I said, going to, to England, wrestling all over the place. I, I wrestled at Royal Albert Hall in 1995, which is a really cool place, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, to work and uh, Wembley and uh, just everywhere, South Africa, um, all throughout the world. Um, you know, it was amazing. It was an opportunity of a lifetime. And it also taught me, you know, I worked with everyone. I literally was working with Undertaker, Kurt Henning, Scott Hall, Shawn Michaels. Mm. I mean, you name it. I like mean, Jerry I was Lawler. literally so was Jerry Lawler. Yep. Yeah. Jeff Jarrett. I mean, Yoko, Owen Hart, 
list goes on and on. I could, Mike Rotundo, Bob Backlund, Nikolai Volkov. He was getting TV time as well. Yeah, and it was Stone just, Cold Steve you know, Austin. I worked with him a bit as well uh, when he was the ringmaster. So uh, I just, you know, I was working with everybody, dude. And you can't, you can't buy that experience. You know what I mean? That was uh, so, so priceless. So by the time I actually may, you know, maybe had three or four years in the business, I had worked with some of the best of all time. You know, I was very blessed, very lucky, you know? No, that, that's good, man. I mean, for me personally, I, I really enjoyed the gimmick. I, I, any gimmick from the new generation, it's just always going to get thumbs up for me. I love it. It doesn't matter if you was a plumber or yeah. you know, a binman or a race car driver right. or a Portuguese yep. man of war. It doesn't matter. I'm going to love it and it makes me <laughs> smile. And the fact that I get to talk to you about yeah. it, it's, it's great. It's made, it's sort of made my night. So just before we uh, essentially talk about the end of the gimmick, uh, I just want to know, because you were sort of hanging out with the click at that time. Um, essentially, do you have any fun road stories uh, with the click or do you have any fun Owen Hart or Bulldog rib stories? Um, well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Not, not that many stories. I mean, I have a lot of stories, but nothing like that would be appropriate. Let's say that way. Um, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but, uh, the click, the click was, um, the click was cool because it started very innocently. Like people always ask me, how did you kind of get wrapped up in hanging out with those guys? And mm. it was, it was as simple as this when I, before I was Aldo, even when I was on my first house show tour, um, uh, I couldn't rent a car, you know, I wasn't old enough to rent a car and they really? fly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have to be 24 in America. And I think I was like 21 or something yeah. like that. So, uh, I went to the show, the first, first ever tour, um, where I flew, I had to, uh, to go with, um, chief J Strongbow, Tony Gurria and Rene Goulet. There was, that's the office, you know, the agents, and, uh, you know, Razor's on that same house show loop. And he's like, who are you driving with, puss? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I'm driving with uh, Tony Correa, Chief J Strongbow, and Rene Goulet. He goes, bro, you're already going to get heat with the office uh, driving with the, you know what I mean? If you drive yeah. with the office, they're going to probably thought you like teacher's pet or something or golden. Yeah, bike. you're going to, yeah, you're going to be like, yeah, they'll think you're a stooge. He goes, nope come with me because he was by himself and a lot of times he traveled by himself yeah uh it was either he traveled by himself or um he would travel with one two three kid or Shawn michaels mm -hmm. you know and um but scott at the time we were uh they had a towns and b towns the a towns were like the big coliseums the big arenas you know like the o2 stuff like that and the b towns were more uh small theaters high schools stuff like that. But Razor was the intercontinental champion. So that would kind of be the headline of the small tour. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So uh, I was on the small tour and the other guys were on, on the other show. So it was just me and Scott for a good six months there where we were traveling every day together. And that's how uh, the friendship with the click and those guys uh, kind of started because of my friendship with Scott. Are you still friends uh, with Scott to this day or anyone from the click? Um, just anyone generally around this period of time. I, I, I'm friendly with everyone, uh, except, you know, I, Scott and I had a bit of a falling out a couple of years ago. Um, nothing serious, just, you know, Scott's a good dude, but at times he could become, uh, you know, uh, what you see is what you get with him, <laughs> no, that, <that's laughs> as you can up, imagine. Uh, no, that's you, know, but, uh, you know, but, you uh, know, but Sean Waltman and I are still very close. Uh, Sean mm. Michaels and I still talk um, and are close, you know. I helped him out a bit, um, especially when he had his first uh, training school. He had the, um, what was it, uh, TWA, the Texas Wrestling Alliance. And his first, uh, when he was semi-retired, I believe, in the late 90s, during the Attitude Era, he had a school. Uh, and his first uh, class was Daniel Bryan, Lance Archer, Brian Kendrick, and those guys. That's great uh, as well. Lance Cade, that's right, yeah. yeah, and I was down there to help him a, a bit with that, so uh, and I stayed at, Land, uh, at Sean's house during that time, so uh, I would say the closest I am would be like the Razor, uh, Sean Michaels, and to uh, Sean Waltman, you know. No, that's cool, man. I didn't actually know about the uh, Sean Michaels school, by the way, so, you know, thanks for uh, telling yeah. me that. I didn't, I didn't actually know yeah. that. That's pretty cool. Yep. Awesome, man. So, um, as much as I've enjoyed talking about Aldo Montoya, um, unfortunately, it's I've sort of got to wrap this part up because um, it came to an end. Was there any long-term plans, by the way, for the gimmick? Or was it just sort of, you know, 
sort of see how it goes really and you know if it works it works but if it doesn't doesn't um i think they had uh bigger plans for it to work but what had happened was again business was bad in america they were trying mm. to get business overseas well south america um, the Brazilian market, which was the market that spoke Portuguese, that whole mar that whole contract uh, fell apart. Uh, we never ended up going to Brazil. I think to this day, we the WWE has still not gone to Brazil. So for so something happened where that went that fell apart. They didn't get rid of me or the character, but mm. kind of the purpose for uh, a Portuguese character was you know they so they kept didn't see him all. yeah no, there was no right. Off. Right. And uh, but they weren't going to get rid of me because, hey, they had invested time. And I and they also liked me as a performer. They just figured we'll keep them around, uh, let them let them grow as a, as a wrestler. And then we'll, you know, switch his gimmick or something, you know, mm -hmm. take take them off television and bring them back maybe six months later. Something like that. Um, but uh, that never ended up happening because WCW happened. Um uh, the NWO was formed by Scott Hall and Kevin Nash and, you know, Scott and Kev both went there. And, um, after them being there for a while, um, you know, I was starting to get frustrated in the WWF. Um, yeah. they weren't doing anything with me. And I felt like I started to feel like I'm really getting good now. This is, I'm around 22, 23, but I've already been working full time for a couple of years and I'm really starting to like, have good matches at house shows at live events. Like I'm starting to really notice and the crowd is noticing and the agents are giving me good reports on my work. So I'm thinking, all right, it's time to kind of, what's the next level here. Yeah. Um, so I went to Vince and uh, had a meeting with Vince at the office. And I'm like, Vince, you know, I, I, I feel like I could do more to help you and to also help myself. You know, and he's like, well, you know, but he gave me this, the, the, the speech, the bullshit speech. And he goes, I said, well, Vince, if you're not going to do anything with me, I would uh, I would like my release. So I asked for my release uh, and he goes, why would you want your release? He goes, well, you know, I can uh, Scott and Kevin uh, have offered me to, you know, set something up for me to come to WCW. Yeah. And um, which they went to you know, Eric Bischoff, by the way. No, I never did. Uh, Scott and Kevin did for me. Okay. Um, and Vince said, PJ, I said, he goes, I, you know, it's not that Aldo is going to be the reason, you know, because you know, I'm not worried about Aldo. He goes, but it would be a bad look for my promotion, another one of my guys going over, because they were losing the Monday Night War at this time. Yeah. You know, and Vince is like, I just can't have another one of my guys go over. He goes, what I will do for you, is uh, send you to Memphis to go work at Lawler's territory and learn how to work as a heel. And then we'll bring you back up. So that's what ended up happening. Um, I went to Memphis to work as a heel. The week I was there, Chris Candido and the ECW uh, crew was down there um, doing an angle and or finishing up an angle, I should say. And um, Chris was telling me, because I had worked with Chris in WWF as uh, Skip and Sonny. Yeah. And now Chris was, uh, you know, Paul Heyman's right-hand man. So he's like, PJ, you got to come over here, man. He goes, it's awesome. The promotion's really, you know, we're starting to do pay-per-views. Like, shit's really blowing up. Uh, the money's good, you know. And I was like, are you sure? Because I was a little nervous, you know, because I'm going yeah, from WW WWF to ECW, something I really didn't know anything about. Um, but you know, he's like, don't worry. I said, well, I have a contract. He goes, Paul, Paul, <laughs> Paul, figure it out. And, uh, lo and behold, Paul Heyman went to Vince McMahon and, uh, got my contract from, uh, from Vince. And, uh, I signed with, uh, ECW. Awesome, man. I yeah. just want to, just before we do talk about ECW where, um, you know, let's sort of be honest, it's where you sort of achieved your great success. Memphis learned to be a hill. What was that sort? Of, what was that like? Did you find it uh, quite difficult, or you know, did you think oh, I can have some fun with this? Actually, um, it was definitely fun. It could have been fun, but the financial part of it was so hard. Yeah, um, because I wasn't. You know, at, at this time uh, we weren't under guaranteed money with Vince. Yeah. Um, we got paid. We still, you know, like today they have guaranteed contracts where you get paid x amount of dollars per year no matter what and then you get bonuses on top of that 
back then it wasn't like that. You only get paid what you work. So now from, you know, working at Madison Square Garden or the O2 arena or, you know, or yeah. other big arenas and making thousands of dollars per show. Yeah. Um, I was making $40 a night in Memphis, 40. It's a little under 30 pounds. You get experience, but yeah. So. But I already, but but am I really? Because I already wrestled Stone Cold. I already wrestled. Yeah, that's you know what true. I mean. The the best of the best in the WWE. I mean, I am getting experience, but yeah. but at the same time, yeah, it's like they, you know, you've already wrestled like some of the best names. Like, what else can you learn right. in a way? And it wasn't even that. It's not that I couldn't learn. Mm -hmm. um, it was that financially, I was going bankrupt. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I was making $40 a night. And not only did I have a home in Connecticut and a car payment in Connecticut, mind you, now I also had to rent a home in, in Memphis myself and rent a car in Memphis. Yeah. So now I have two homes, two car payments, food. I went bankrupt, you know, mm. and you're putting your $40, dollars for $40 a night. And that's not even covering the rental car. So I'm going negative every night. I'm down there. Did See you still have doubts as well? Like just before you did go to CW, you just think, oh, my yeah. hand, my boots up. I, 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 is it worth it? No. Yeah, I, of course it did. Uh, so six weeks happened. Um, you know, I, 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 I just said, this is it. And uh, hmm. like I said, I went, I went with, with the ECW and I, you know, they were paying much more and giving me much more of an opportunity. So to me, it was a no brainer. You know, what was um, your first impression of ECW and the locker room? Um, scary, scary, just like huge, like, uh, I don't know, man, just very un unstable, but in a good way, <laughs> it felt very dangerous, like not dangerous, like you're going to get hurt dangerous, but like it rock was. and roll, like rock and roll <laughs> dangerous. Like it was like, wow. I'm like, I was a fish out of water. Mm. everybody but everybody was so cool and the fans were so crazy and you know it just it was dangerous but in a good way like not in a way like oh i'm gonna get hurt in a very exciting way where like you know i could really do something with this you know i could either make it good or break you know either way like i can make it or break it here and it was just like just a magical time man you know uh the fans were so amazing and rabid um, and I got, you know, lucky enough to get over with the fans. I worked my ass off for those fans and they respected yeah. me. And, uh, once you got the fans, you're good, man. You're, you're good. Your palm of your hands, like, yeah. And, yeah. uh, there was no turning back for the next three and a half years, you know? Uh, so let's talk about the gimmick and basically what I'm referring to now, just mm -hmm. incredible. Yes. How did you come up with it? How'd you come up with the name and what made you essentially go sort of with the look that we all recognize you for yeah. now um i didn't come up with the name believe it or not uh neither did paul Heyman. a little yeah. side story um this wrestler who ended up uh, he was in the ecw training uh school uh his name is bill wiles uh he wrestled uh do you remember in the towards the end of ecw this gentleman doing an elvis gimmick called bilvis wesley not at the top of my head no Okay, I, he didn't really make it very big, but he was a gimmick. He, anyways, he was the guy who was doing ring crew at the time, and he was in the wrestling school for ECW. He saw the name on a bumper sticker on the back of a car, and he thought for himself he wanted to use that name. So he pitched it to Heyman, and Paul said, Bill, I don't see that for you. You know, we'll work on another name for you, but I'll pay you 500 bucks cash right now if you let me use that name for another one of my guys which was me mm. so uh you know paul paid him for that name gave it to me and uh and the reason um that i chose the look was it wasn't really even me choosing the look it was more out of necessity because i came from having aldo montoya gear mm. uh portuguese tights yellow boots uh Matt, the whole look yeah. um it took a long time in those days like we didn't have uh you know, the internet was a non-factor. Um, so it's it took a while to get gear made up. So it's like, shit, uh, okay, I'll cut off a pair of jean shorts because I saw like Raven wearing jean shorts, Sandman wore long jeans and uh, people were wearing t-shirts. So I was like, well, give me like a black ECF and W shirt. 
uh, you know, because Austin always also looked like he was doing that. And my head was already bald from the Aldo days. Yeah. So uh, it was just it was more out of necessity because I had nothing else to wear and I couldn't come up with anything as quick as they wanted me to. So it's like, OK, you've got a week till you debut. So I was just like, fuck it, jean shorts and a T-shirt, you know, like the EC, we called it the ECW uniform, you know, ripped jeans and, uh, and a T-shirt. And that's what I did, you know. So it sort of made you more comfortable as well, really. To, must, yeah. must have been a bit easier to get ready as well in the locker room. Oh, man, it was great. And I also left, you know, when I left the building, I just, I never had to change. You know, I just pretty much was in jean shorts and a T-shirt, just uh, changed T-shirts so they weren't wet. And I was good to go. You know, it was great. Now, awesome, man. Um, the Impact Players. Yes. One of the... Yes. Basically, one of the best stables in ECW history. Yeah. Uh, featuring yourself, Lance Storm, Dawn Marie, and Jason Knights. Uh, basically, yep. who was behind pairing you all together as um, essentially as a stable, or essentially, was there any other members that were supposed to be in that we may not know about? And um, essentially, do you have any? What are your favorite memories in the Impact players? It was uh, it was all Paul Heyman's idea, um, mm -hmm. you know, and I was surprised. And I, I think it, uh, I don't know what the reason was. I mean, I know Paul knew that Lance and I had uh, worked together um, and we were friendly and that Lance helped train me, you know, in Calgary. And um, so it was just like, but it was effortless for us. Uh, we never, when we first started doing the Impact Players, um, it just happened. Like Paul never said to us, you're going to be the impact players and you're going to be this is, is this exclusive tag team and you're going to go on to do this or that. He just kind of said, we're going to try you and Lance. That's how things work in wrestling, by the way. They never tell you anything. They're just like, yeah. oh, we're going to put you and Lance together. So last tonight. minute. <laughs> Not necessarily last minute, but that day, you know, and it's kind of like, we'll see where it goes. And with time, it just started to progress. And then uh, they started calling us the impact players. And then people started to get behind it. So then it started to get some, some momentum and stuff. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was something that nobody really predicted. I think Paul saw it because, uh, in essence, what it was, was Lance Storm was Lance Storm. And I was, as a tag team partner, I was everything Lance was not. I was a, a brawler. I looked, I didn't wear traditional tights. I looked different than he did with the gear. Yeah. Um, I was, I was a shit talker where Lance is more serious, you know, and I tried to do like the, you know, suck it and all that stuff yeah, that. where Lance didn't and, um, and vice versa where I did that Lance, uh, he was more of a technical wrestler, more of a professional wrestlers wrestler, but put that together. It's like, we, for his weaknesses, I had those strengths and for, you know, and vice versa, like the shit I, I couldn't do, he did. And the shit he couldn't do, I did both with charisma and, and with wrestling. So when we put it together, it just, the pieces fit, fit perfectly. You just gelled you know? so well together. as a Oh, uh, it was effortless. And again, we were taught by the same Keith Hart, uh, the Hart family. And in essence, he helped train me through the camp. So, uh, you know, our bond was, was very real. So uh, it, was, it, was, it was awesome. Such great times. Such great times. Effortless, uh, you know, big time. Who are your favorite opponents uh, to wrestle against? Oh, wow. Tag, basically as a tag team um, with last um, time. So. Yeah, um, definitely uh, Dreamer and Raven. Who else was definitely a good one? I liked working with the Dudleys. Um, and uh, our favorite match, and I think Lance would agree if you ask him, um, we had one match on television from the ECW arena against Gato and Jado from mm -hmm. FMW Japanese promotion. That was a, uh, that was as good of a tag team match. I challenge it and put it up to any match to this day. Um, it was just, the fans were literally on their, on their hands. I mean, up, on their seats, you know, up the whole time they were chanting, they were ooing and aahing and, uh, you know, they were obviously a big deal. And I think Gato is the one that that's that new Japan guy that we see as well. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. He was very young. Well, we were both very young at the time, but uh, so the talent was there and uh, the work was just uh, forget about it. Next level, you know? So I would say that particular one was my favorite. 
No, nice. I was going to say, um, in terms of singles matches, one of my favourite matches in ECW was you against Jerry Lynn at Heatwave. Jerry Lynn, yeah. Uh, what yeah. was Jerry Lynn like working with? Oh, he was the best uh, to this day. And to this day, I would say that that match, Heatwave 98, um, is, I don't know if it's my favourite. I don't know if I really have a favourite, but that one uh, pops up as, mo as much as any match. Um, so I would definitely consider that one to be right up there, if not the greatest match, um, you know, that I uh, had, which is crazy because it was, you know, five years into my career. Um, but uh, the chemistry was just so undeniable. And not only the chemistry, but the fans were, uh, we had, it was a 5,000 seat arena. It was completely sold out. Yeah. So it was not just how great Jerry was, and he was great, don't get me wrong, but it was the, uh, the emotion, the fans, and we were the first match out. So, they were ready. You know what I mean? It was just like the Red perfect... Red the opener. You got yeah, to, you know, you got to yeah, literally the, start the fire, and that's what you the guys per, did. The perfect storm, you know, and it was perfect. It was awesome. awesome. That was a great match. I, I, um, I really liked it, to be honest. Um, I was just going to say, so essentially, when is it... Or since... Sorry, I'll try again. So I tripped my words then. Um, when is it that you found out ECW was going out of business? Uh, was it through Paul Heyman or the internet or someone backstage? It wasn't through Paul. Uh, it was through just everyone else. He was always lying and not because he wanted to be a dick about it. Just he was always trying to put out a, a good picture mm -hmm. uh, of what was happening. I found out through other channels, um, you know, uh, none of them were Paul. He was lying till the end, all the way till the end, um, to the point where I uh, wrestled the last, the last match, which was a house show in the middle of nowhere um, in March, I believe, March of, 90, of 2001. And I'm literally, uh, I called Jim Ross. Um, I signed a contract and uh, I'm on my way to the building to make my debut to form X Factor. And uh, Heyman calls me. This is like just when cell phones were really a thing thing, like everybody was starting to have them. Mm -hmm. um, but they were still like three bucks a minute. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, so he calls me and he starts yelling at me. You know, how could you do this to me? Leave ECW. You know, I'm trying to get a TV deal, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Paul, are you kidding me? I have to pay my bills. I have a family. You know, I'm about to have it. You know, I just had a newborn. He's less than a year old. Um, you know, whatever. So I get to the building. And when I get to the building, guess who's debuting on commentators? <laughs> Is that the same night? Yeah. The same oh, night yeah. Paul Heyman debuted. He was already at the building, and he's making me feel bad calling me, like almost trying to get into my head. So he's guilt-tripping like, you when he's literally at the same show. He's already, he was there before I was, dude, literally in the building. So you had to, you know, that's when I knew that everything was so full of shit that I'm yeah. glad. I just wish I would have probably done it beforehand. But I wasn't in ECW for him or to fuck him. I was in ECW for me because it was a great fit for me and the fans were yeah. great for me. I didn't do any of that for him, so whatever. You know, he was just such a, a low-life scumbag because he could have made so many people's lives a bit easier by just being honest. Yeah. Um, even though it would have been a bitter pill to swallow, at least we all knew where we stand. I don't know what, his benef what the benefit was to telling people there was still hope when obviously there was none. But he, he, so he I, knew. Of course he knew. I mean, yeah. shit. I, 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 but still, he tried to make me feel bad. Like, I'm leaving. How dare I leave when we're still trying? And, like, how are you trying when you're there, too? You know, it's like I should have done this a long time ago. I was the mark, believe it or not, for, for sticking around as long as I did. Yeah, you know that's where I, I wish because Lance Lance went for Lance went to WCW, got paid that great WCW money, got rich off of it, and my Mark ass stayed stayed with ECW to become. I'm basically I marked out for the title, became ECW World Title, but Lance became rich. Um, guess what? <laughs> I think I made a mistake because uh, <laughs> you know the ECW title was fake, and uh, I'd rather have money. Did uh, WCW try to contact you near the end? Because I know they were no. reaching out to a lot of WCW, um, so ECW talent. But... Yeah, at that time they were in. At that time they were in so much trouble that yeah. no, you know, and uh, and I had a pretty solid contract that I don't think you know 
they knew who they could mess with and they knew who they couldn't, you know, and I was always kind of like considered one of Paulie's guys. So Bischoff never kind of came near me, you know. Nah, that's fair enough, mate. So, yeah. it's, so in the WWE, you return. I actually didn't know, by the way, it was actually JR that got you the job back because a lot of people yes. would assume yes. it was actually, some people would assume it would have been Paul Heyman looking no. out for his guys because I know Tommy Dream has said that he helped him, but, you know, yeah. oh, I've, heard, I've heard that sometimes, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, I, I was, because uh, I'd worked with JR previously as Aldo and yeah. stuff, so uh, I went right to JR, thank God. With X Factor. Um, yes. Yeah, I think you, I think you've pretty much answered half this question. So you already mm -hmm. knew you was coming into X Factor. Uh, yes. You know it's going to be with Albert as well. Yes, I did. Yep. Okay. What was your first impression of basically Albert? I was going to say Prince Albert, but um, I was happy. I was happy with him. He was, he's a super. Matt Matt Bloom is a super nice guy. Um, he's still there uh, working with the performance center. He's a stand up dude. Yeah. Um, like you know, like you heard, um, and a lot of people know, Sean Waltman and I are friends, still are. Yeah. Um, so we thought it was a great opportunity for us to kind of you know work as a tag team because this is the this is like the, the culmination of the Rock and Austin era. I mean, business was was hot, oh, man. you know, and uh, for us to be a good punk heel tag team to go up against the Dudleys or the Hardys. Um, what we thought is a great opportunity. So, uh, you know, yeah, we were both very, very excited about it. And Albert was going to kind of be like our Kevin Nash, yeah. you know, like the big guy in the corner to help the two little guys, you know, you the two little like super kicking people. And right, right, right. So that was uh, that was the the whole point of it. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work as well as we wanted it to for whatever reason. I think a lot of it was they were planning on. Uh, you know, running with the Alliance. Uh, and because that kind of all happened so quickly. Like, you know what I mean? Mm, so much has been going on, you come back. Oh. WCW out of business. ECW is out of business. Yeah. WrestleMania and 17, wrestling period booming. And then yeah. the Alliance. And then you've just literally made your return to me as Justin. Right. Kirby, yeah. As opposed to PJ Plaka or Aldo. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It was, it was hard too. Like, how do you differentiate yourself? How do you. You know, and uh, the, the biggest problem was that when WCW was bought by Vince, they wanted me to go with the Alliance, ECW, WCW, mm. and they wanted X-Pac to go with the WWF. So they broke up the team prematurely. Yeah, I was a bit worried uh, about that back in the yeah, day. Yeah, and they, they, and they just simply put us with uh, individual teams, you know, because the Alliance was the big, the Alliance versus the WWF was the big gimmick. So uh, we got the short end of the stick on that, you know, which could have been a great storyline in the future, you know, but yeah. that was the focus um, going forward. It was, you know? you know, sort of picking up a bit of momentum, like you're saying, you was working with the sure. yeah. Yeah. We could have been a hell of a APA. You know, you just sort of were appearing, having a lot of TV time. And you had a little segment as well, like um, X-Pop was champion, Albert was champion, and they sort of were rubbing it in, but like, yes. not intentionally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of yeah. segments like that I quite enjoyed. Yeah, um, yep, I remember those. Just sort of ended abruptly, which is a bit of a shame. But yeah, when you did go to WWE, um, we actually saw a lot of change. Though you got to keep your name, um, yes. you switched from jeans to tights. Um, essentially, you was given a different theme song as well. Yes. Um, the character presentation, essentially, did they just do it and not give you a reason? Or did they say, look, we need to sort of modify your gimmick a bit? Uh, there was really no, uh, there was no reason. I mean, I did wear jean shorts for the first couple of months, yeah. but then Hunter, Triple H, who uh, me and Kid were traveling with, it used to be me, Kid, uh, Hunter, and Stephen Regal, William Regal. Us four used to travel together, and this is when Hunter was first traveling with our first dating, Stephanie. So he was still kind of kayfabe. Um, and Hunter's like, you know, Steve Austin, you know, Steve wears the jean shorts. He goes, you and Kid should look alike. So I got those black and grays to kind of match black, black, gray, and blue to kind of match kids' outfit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the character was essentially supposed to stay the same. Unfortunately, without television time, without interview time, the character uh, doesn't shine because I'm just like anyone else without a microphone. You can't uh, develop. So, uh, you know, it was what it was. It was just, but it was uh, the only explanation I can honestly give is so much was going on that they were just mm. trying to 
keep everything afloat, worrying about the main events. And uh, a lot of us just got caught in the shuffle, including mm-hmm. X-Pac in those days, you know, and X-Factor certainly suffered, you know. Yeah, and no, I, me- I do remember reading on the dirt sheets that essentially it was like it was to do with Austin like demanding a change because you looked similar. No, he he, he didn't <laughs> demand the change. He, he yeah. was Steve. I, I've been on Steve's podcast twice. He's a good yeah. friend. Of I've mine. listened to them. Good, good episodes, by the way. Yeah, yeah. He's no, he's awesome. Uh, it was it mm. was just more a like a less us, uh, you know, us trying to look like a team. Yeah. more than anything but you know um, back, I don't regret it, it, it does make sense as well like the attire was quite similar right yeah because with the jean shorts and he has tights you know I, I wanted us to look like a team you know mm-hmm. so yeah nah that's cool man so I was just going to say what was uh, whilst we're wrapping up your return story um, because you would actually be back again but before we get to uh, the WWE's version of ECW um out of your last matches in your run, it was uh, one of them, because I think your actual official match was against Test, but one of them was against a young Dave Batista. Um, oh, yeah. What was he like? And did you could you see that there was going to be a big star in the making? Oh, yeah. I, I, I totally saw uh, Dave being a huge star. I mean, he was just, you know, just so awesome. I mean, his physical, just a physical condition he was in, the look. I mean, he was money and he was easy to work with and a super nice guy. So, uh, yeah, no, I saw, I saw that coming a mile away. He was, he was awesome. Bar none. Was he, was he quite easy to work with as well? Oh, very. Yeah. He's to this day, one of the easiest, uh, gentlest people I've ever worked with, you know, really cool dude. Yeah. That's cool, man. And did you enjoy the, um, Brief moments as the hardcore champion. You've made, you did win it quite a few times, actually, eight times. Uh, sort of to be correct. Um, not really. Or was it just like no. you know, yeah? It was silly. You know, it was just silly. I didn't hate it or anything like that. It just but you, you, know, you just didn't take seriously. You sort of knew what's behind. Yeah, it. you know the gimmick. You know what I mean. You know what it is. So. Mm. No, that's cool, yeah. man. I think I kind of like your attitude towards, like, it, you know, don't get it wrong, like, you sort of appreciate holding it, but, you know, you just, you're not taking it too seriously. Like, it's, you know, course, you've, got, yeah. you've got all your pelts behind you and stuff. Yeah, right, exactly. Because <laughs> I heard, like, Bret Hart's got, like, a shrine of his, like, everything he's done. That's the truth. It's, like, it's actually true. Like, he's literally got, a sh- like, a museum. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. Fair play. I mean, if he's ha- yes, his, yeah, yeah. Whatever you, whatever works for you, buddy. Exactly. <laughs> he's proud. He's proud. That's it. So, That's it. Um, so this. So essentially, you was released uh, for WWE. Yeah. Um, but you'd work uh, a few times in TNA. Yeah. Uh, what was TNA like? Uh it was different. Uh, very different, but very much uh, like an indie vibe in mm. a good way. In a good way. Um, you know, just uh, a lot of new talent, a lot of exciting talent, you know, guys like AJ Styles were coming up and uh, many other guys from, uh, you know, over here in America, um, you know, there's the New York wrestlers, the Philly wrestlers who are all like, you know, if you really look back and look at the names, um, a lot of them are super superstars in the WWE right now, you know, yeah, or in the guys. Chicago area, guys like, you know, all the guys that came out of that era from like the Ring of Honor era were like, or TNA, um, CM Punk, Homicide, uh, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, uh, Kevin Owens. I mean, all oh, these cats were kind of messing around over there, you know, during that time. So uh, it was just a, a hotbed for for hot young talent, you know. Did you find yourself, even though you still were quite young? Um, oh, yeah, I was not even 30 yet. So you're still quite young, but did you find people were sort of looking at you as uh, a veteran, like a legend, or just sort of one of the boys when you would go to like, well, TNA and Ring of Honor? One of the, one of the boys, um, but sometimes, you know, it kind of works. It could work the opposite because although I was just 30 years old, um, mm. You know, out of that 30 years, 10 of it was working for a major company, you know, so it's like 10 years, a decade in wrestling on, you know, on national television, you know, and you had TV for those 10 years. It's like it almost is like you you're older than you are um, in the people's eyes, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I get, yeah. You know, um, so, yeah, sometimes it was a, a negative. I think I needed a fresh start. And I think. What I did wrong uh, was maybe hold on to uh, what was instead of trying to kind of um, roll with the punches and roll with the times and perhaps change my style and my look. 
just reinvent, and, you know, right? yeah, reinvent would have definitely been uh, smart, but I didn't, um, you know, and in 2000, I know you were going to get to it, but in 2005, the rehash of ECW with one night stand kind of gave me a reason not to, because they wanted me to be the exact same guy I was, you know, almost a decade ago. Mm. You know? And if you change your look, you know, fans may have not recognized you. Exactly. And exactly. So I didn't have, the, and I also, yeah. And I also didn't have the proper TV to kind of get behind the change because, mm. you know, what does it matter if you change in front of a couple thousand people, not a couple million on television, you know, so I never really had the opportunity to do it with a promotion, uh, so to speak, to get behind it with a push, you know. What did you think of, I know you've just mentioned One Night Stand, but you've also worked um, the Hardcore Homecoming show as well. What yep. did you think of, um, well, I want to say one or the other, but I just want to sort of summarise it as all, one, all as one. What did you think of the idea of bringing back ECW? Did you enjoy seeing uh, your old colleagues and friends or was it just yeah. like, it's just not the same? Um, I did enjoy it. Um, the first one night stand was very much the same. And I thought um, they had one shot, one shot. And mm -hmm. after the first original 2005 one night stand, they could have pulled it off if they went full ECW, if they really committed to going all the way. And some people were told that it was going to be, and they certainly had the intentions, but uh, as the ball started to roll, um, you know, Vince started to not help himself and put WWE guys in the fold. And, uh, you know, when it finally started and I was CM Punk's, speaking of another debut, I was CM Punk's debut match in the WWF yeah. or WWE. Um, at the Hammerstein Ballroom as well. At the Hammerstein, that. yeah. So, um, so he was supposed to be the leader of the new ECW. But, uh, you know, WWE had already... I guess not, not intentionally, but in their minds were uh, they made their mind up. They were like, oh, "Yeah, man, we're, we're going to go yeah. to a big show in Lashley." And yeah, know. and uh, you know they could have got the old guys. I mean, the old ECW, and maybe started, you know, just almost started. They could have started where we left off um, because it wasn't that long of a time, mm. and uh, you know maybe bring in like guys like a CM Punk into the fold, which would have rejuvenated the the company. Yeah. Um, to put those guys with me or RVD or whomever, but uh, they chose not to, and uh, they no, went with the last. We saw what happened. <laughs> like, and uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, basically, um, long story real short, not to bore you, but uh, I, I get bored talking about it. in 2007. Course, I didn't get, I didn't get fired. I quit, and I'm glad to say I finally quit. What made you uh, quit? I, by the way, if you don't mind me asking. The, everything uh the fact that they were taking my ecw legacy away mm -hmm. making me job out to everyone like kurt kurt angle which is not a big deal to job to kurt angle but the, but the way but you did job out though just the way like two minutes. yeah yeah uh, to everyone you know and i was just like nope because they were my pay was 75 grand a year that's an insult and we were not just me a sandman was getting it dreamer was getting it we were all getting it, the same but that, you know. you know, for 75 grand a year, you're not going to kill what I have, my legacy. Like, so I quit. It's like, you're really like screwing me over the pay, but it's like, there's, I'm right. quite, you know, don't destroy yep. my identity as well. Yep. And, uh, and I quit. I'm glad to this day, that's something I'm proud of. No, that, that's fair enough. Because obviously, like, you know, you quit and then, you know, it was another two years. And let's be honest, like, no one looks back at EC, well, no. W E C W right, um, right. sort of in a positive light. It was terrible. Yep. Yeah, it was um, horrible. I, I just I didn't really enjoy it to be honest. Um I mean it had the odd positive when Christian came, but that's it. Yeah, but it was it was just it was it was a it was a it was a C show, you know, yeah. and it was nothing what it it was nothing to do with ECW, let's be honest. Right. ECW was born out of being the rebels. We were we were the little guys, and you can't mm -hmm. make ECW fight the machine when the when you're owned by the machine yeah, you know it's, it's like that band player. rage against the machine the band rage against the machine you yeah. can't rage against the machine that owns you yeah because you are you are you become the machine i mean like the machine so, became the champion for goodness sake. yeah yeah it's a joke it was a joke so you know fuck it but yeah, it's in the past that it's done now, and I'm sort of, yeah. but I can look back and just separate that from ECW, which a lot of exactly. fans can. So you just got to laugh about it now. That's the main thing, you know. Pretty much, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, 
laugh about it really. Um, what was Paul Heyman like at that time, by the way, just before we wrap up that ECW one? Was he non-existent? He was, yeah, he was non-existent. He was non-existent uh, in his own, in his own thing, you know, just doing his own, on his own path. Uh, Paul really distanced himself um, from the guys and from ECW, you know. Paul's a brilliant businessman and uh, he kind of knew that, uh, you know, once he started this journey with the WWE that, uh, you know, he saw the writing on the wall and he knew, uh, I think he knew that the Brock thing mm -hmm. was coming and, uh, you know, he was just ready to move on. I think everybody was ready to move on at that point, you know? No, that's, that's fair enough, mate. Just yeah. wanted to ask that as well. Sure. Um, just while we do about the, this interview up, um, it's been great, by the way. Really, have enjoyed speaking to you. Thank so, you. It's, yeah. I've had a good time talking about it. Been really good, man. Um, Thank you. So whilst we wrap up, I just want to ask a few more questions. Um, sure. What are your thoughts on modern wrestling? Because I know you review uh, AEW with like Vince Russo yeah. and stuff. But yes, sir. I just yeah. wanted to ask from my show, what are your thoughts on modern wrestling? Um, I think that modern wrestling has a great future. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really enjoy for the most part, what AEW, uh, at least initially, and I'll try to not get too, con too controversial, uh, I enjoy what AEW was trying to do in the beginning stages. They were trying to really, um, you know, treat pro wrestling like it was a shoot. Um, yeah. Of course, not, you know, we all know, right, sports-based, wins and losses count. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that. I thought that was a fresh idea. Obviously, they've kind of changed from that for the meantime, at least. I don't know if that's where they're going to keep going. Um, I think they've gotten, they've become victims of, you know, what happens in wrestling, like bringing in Paul White. Um, he's that over 50. Bringing in Christian and Christian's 47. I think you only need like one or two guys, like Jericho. Yeah. But the problem is that they're bringing in, it's becoming like WCW or TNA, yeah. where they're bringing in all the guys, Matt Hardy. Uh, these are all friends and all people that I that I respect and love, but all of them are over 45. Yeah. Um, all of them are past their prime. And I'm not saying they cannot go, or I am not saying they cannot contribute positively, but it sends a bad message to when, you know, you're supposed to be this new upstart promotion promoting fresh mm. stuff in a Especially different Especially the vibe. alternative to WWE. Yes. And now you're really going for all the names that are being released. And, you know, even, you know, it's like the, if you look at their roster, a lot of them are older guys. We can't forget about the kids coming up. The MJFs, who I think are the future of this business, yeah, uh, and I guys agree. like that. So I, I think they'll balance it out. I think they're smart enough. And I think Tony Khan, you know, it's got to be hard for him. And I'm giving him a bit of a pass because um, he's, he's, a, he's a fan. He's a big fan of the business. And yeah. this is the first time he's had to write episodic television for a major network like TNT. So he's tried to kind of keep up and do the best he can. I just think that they need to just um, – they're trying too hard to reinvent the wheel here. In my yeah. opinion, they need to just give wrestling fans what they want. That's one thing Vince always screwed up. Vince always believed in, Oh, the fans don't know what they want. If they want this, we're going to almost go away from it and give them that just because. Yeah. Just give the fans what they want. You guys got some of the best wrestlers, some of the best guys and gals in the entire world. Give them that and uh stay in your wheelhouse you know angles write themselves like a lot of times in wrestling like the backstage stuff um and or you know matchups that we talk about being like you know dream matches or whatever those are the matches that we want to see uh yeah. so just keep it i hate to say it, it sounds corny but keep it real to what fans want mm -hmm. and i think it'll serve you well and it doesn't have to be all contrived and corny you got lance archer he's money uh wardlow eventually after a couple more years he's got the look he's got the size and the strength and the ability he's gonna be money mjf is a future world champion then you can have guys like the jerichos and the christians and all those other guys you know what i mean kind of bringing up the rear and use those older guys to get the younger talent over um, and I think they'll be okay. I really do. Uh, I, I'm very hopeful for AEW, and I really hope they succeed because 
Uh, if they succeed, it's good for the business of professional wrestling and it's good for all of us. Yeah. You know? No, I, I actually agree with um, pretty much everything you said. I just, I want AEW to do well, but I do get frustrated sometimes. And like, no, I know, me too. Me older too. Guys. Um, but let's hope, because there's only so many mistakes you can make. And let's just hope right. they can sort of just focus and just, you know, make wrestling fun again. But who knows? That's it. Um, that's it. I, I know as well um, that you've had sort of your own personal demons as well. Um, I don't, I'm not going to harp on it. I just want to sort of know, you know, because you're like an open book when it comes to that. And I respect that so much. And I think that's why your fans do as well, because it just shows that you're real and human as well. No one's perfect. Just want to know, you know, if, if you sort of had a message for any wrestling fans that were sort of, if they had any issues or, you know, what would be a good direction for them? Um, I, I, I hate to, to, to sometimes talk about that or to preach, especially because by no means am I perfect, uh, mm-hmm. no stretch of the imagination, nor do I claim to be because that's dangerous territory. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, um, I just think that just being honest with yourself and good to yourself, you know, um, we're living in, you know, when I came up in the business, it was uh, a lot, a lot like the Wild West where we would, you know, just do, and do things and get into things, uh, sometimes just for simple peer pressures. Other times was because, you know, we felt we had to because our bodies physically just weren't meant to do some of the things that we, we were doing. Um, yeah. But that being said, um, you know, just, uh, just take care of yourselves and one another. And if somebody that you know or see is out there hurting, just reach out and just love them. And, uh, you know, there's always... There's always uh, strength in numbers and uh, talking about it is not a negative thing and reaching out is, is not a negative thing. It's a positive thing and it's not weakness, it's love. So uh, that's all I could say, you know, just, uh, you know, we're always out here for everyone and uh, just love each other, man. You know, because I certainly need, I certainly need it at times, you know. No, appreciate it, man. That's a good answer as well. Basically, I was actually going to ask what's your favorite career, but uh, sorry, what's your favorite match of your career? But I think you sort of answered that with Heatwave. No, yeah, yes. you said it's essentially one of your favorite matches. So, yes. Basically, one last question um, sure. I will ask if you and that storm were to reunite as the Impact players just for one match, and if you can pick one team that you've never faced before, who would you pick? Oh, wow. That's a great one. Um, I'd have to say the Young Bucks. Yeah. I think that'd be yeah. Awesome, man. Uh, yeah. Why not? Why not have it be uh, one of the best tag teams in the world um, against one of the best tag teams in the world? You know, I Take think that would be money. dope. That could happen, yeah. mate. I'd, I'd be all yeah. over it. So I'd be, that'd yeah. be awesome, man. Absolutely. So I want to thank you for today. Thank you. Um, it's been thank my you. longest interview. And I've, honestly, time's just flown right by because it's just been... It has. It was long. very cool. It's been great. It's been real. We've talked about everything. And it's yes. been a pleasure. Um, hopefully, when you, if you are going to come to UK one day, uh, we can meet, have a beer. Um, Absolutely. Now, I want you to stay yeah. safe. And what's next? just incredible well right now we're just you know trying to get through this pandemic um you know and just exactly just stay busy but stay safe uh for all the uh, information on what i'm doing uh you know today uh follow me on both instagram and twitter at pj polacco and of course pro wrestling backslash just incredible i have over 20 designs both mm-hmm. retro and uh, new school and i have a brand new company called the indie I have two uh, brand new Justin shirts out there that I think you guys will like. So uh, check them all out. And um, and that's it, man. Awesome, man. Well, give them a look, people, because I've seen some of the designs from Pro Wrestling Tees. They're awesome. And uh, one of the best ones to this day, yeah, Got Blood. That's on there as well. Yes. So yeah. that's awesome, man. Well, thank you very much for your time. And I hope you stay thank safe. You, you awesome. too, my friend. Thank you. What you call it, podcast.